the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Todd Starnes Show, sponsored by Legacy Precious Metals. There's never been a better time to invest in precious metals. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. Live from the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's Common Sense Conservative Commentary from Todd Starnes. That's us, that's right, I love this American ride. Wherever you're listening across this, the greatest nation God ever blessed, welcome to a Thursday edition of the Todd Starnes Show, coast to coast on more than 140 tremendous radio stations and streaming live at ToddStarns.com. Hello, fellow patriots. I'm Jeff Stein. I'll be filling in for Todd today. Nothing to worry about. Todd woke up a little under the weather, and it's always best that he take care of that so he can be here for the long term, and that's what we always encourage, because he doesn't listen when we say, don't work so hard, because you'll make yourself sick. Well, in any case... I'm sure he'll be back tomorrow. Good to be along with you today from the Liberty University studio. Coming to you from my home base at the home of Todd Starnes in the state of Iowa. News Talk 1540 KXCL, Waterloo, Cedar Rapids, the 50,000-watt blowtorch scorching middle America with accurate news and reasonable views. And you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a presidential candidate. Even though a number of them have dropped out, they are all over the place uh, these days and will be for about another two months. So it's always a privilege to speak to you, Starnes Nation, and I want to encourage the conversation by phone. This is the phone number to use, and again, it's a different one, so if you don't have it written down, or in your phone, or however you do this, uh, you want to make sure you have it handy. This is the phone number to use to reach this program, 901-260-5926. I'll say that again, 901-260-5926. And we'll take your calls throughout the bulk of this hour and a fair amount of time the rest of the day as well. Setting the table, coming up in our second hour, we'll hear from the CEO of the wellness company, Peter Galuli. The holidays are coming up. It's a time when we all overdo and we all overeat and we don't take care of ourselves. Well, let's be a little more proactive on that. We'll talk about it. Wellness around the holidays coming up in our second hour of three today. Coming up in our number three, return guest to the program, Texas Congressman Pat Fallon. We're going to have a lot to talk about with the congressman. We're going to talk about the border crisis, Israel, funding for the government, impeachment, the Biden crime family, all of that. Representative Pat Fallon on the program in hour number three. Also on the program in hour number three, Liz Peake, columnist for Fox News and The Hill. She has assessed the China-U.S. situation in light of yesterday's meeting between Joe Biden and Chairman Xi. And uh, it is obvious that we're going to be taken to the cleaners again 
despite what spin the White House might put on it. We'll learn more when Liz Peek joins us in hour number three. But again, your call's welcome now at 901-260-5926. So I got up this morning around 5 o'clock Iowa time, and it's in the central part of the country, and the U.S. Senate had barely been adjourned. My understanding is that the Senate passed this stopgap spending bill and then adjourned for the Thanksgiving holiday at 3.44 a.m. Washington time. Now, there's a, a saying that nothing good happens after midnight. And you can put it in the bank that when a legislature is doing anything after midnight, it's pretty much because they don't want you to see what's happening because they're not very pleased with it themselves. And so when you go to bed thinking everything's great, you wake up in the morning and find out what they've done, well, by that time they're already on the plane headed home. And to me it was even worse this week because the House came up with this spending bill this is, this is stuff you know, but I'm just reciting it to set the table here. The House came up with this spending bill. The Speaker did. Um, got the Democrats on board. Didn't exactly get the Republicans on board, but they had the majority. And once again, twice since this fiscal year began August 1st, a spending bill where the Speaker gets Democrat support, much more support than Republican support, and it gets sent down to the Senate. The House then couldn't take care of any other business and just gave up and went home for the Thanksgiving break. Again, job's not done. They have a lot of things they can't figure out in the regular spending bills. Well, there's really no sense sitting there and trying to iron this out. We just bought ourselves to mid-January or February. Why bother sitting there and trying to figure this stuff out? Let's go home. And that's what they've done. And the Senate quickly followed suit. Hooray, we get out of town early. Now, I have no stomach for another one of these, oh my God, the government's going to run out of money and uh, the plague of locusts will come and the whole bit. I don't, I don't like that drama and we were faced with it coming up at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time tomorrow night. So, yeah, I mean, that's nice that that's averted. But here's the problem as far as I'm concerned. This is November 16th, a Thursday, as I look at the calendar. They have bumped this two to two and a half months down the road. This is the laddered approach. Some of the funding has been extended to mid-January, some to February. The theory is that they'll have time to figure it all out before then. Well, you do have Thanksgiving, you do have Christmas, you do have New Year's, so that gets in the way in terms of work days, but it's not like these folks have an on-the-ground-in-Washington-heavy schedule to begin with. Raise your hand if you got the entire month of August off. Yeah, I don't see any hands out there. And again, when they come back, they're doing work. They're going uh, into the district. They're having meetings. It, it's not like for most of them, uh, you know, four weeks of doing nothing but catching up on movie magazines. Do they even have movie magazines anymore? How old am I? Well, in any event, they're still doing things. I'll grant that. But when we were facing these deadlines, 
when we have such slim majorities in both chambers, keep in mind, the difference is the Senate acts like they've got a 90 to 10 seat majority and Republicans just fall in line. Over in the House, Republicans can't coalesce to pass anything unless it's a uniparty bill, and then apparently everybody's on board. Oh, and adjourned to go home early. Apparently everybody was on board with that. But you have all of these issues, and they take no action. So the best we can do at this point is to say, let's throw it into the new year. Keep in mind, the budget year, the fiscal year for the U.S. government, began on October 1st. We are now six weeks into the new budget year. They've now kicked this can down the road to the fourth and fifth month of the fiscal year. So at best, at best, under the current calendar, they will come back in January, one year into the two-year session of these members of the House, the ones who campaigned against Pelosi-Schumer budgets, and have now voted to extend it. Now, not all of them, obviously, because as we note, Democrats were necessary to get this passed, but still an awful lot of Republicans, an awful lot of Republicans bought into it. You're going to be into month five of the fiscal year at best before you have a spending plan for the fiscal year. Almost halfway through the year before you actually get a spending plan. And that's if they work it all out. I have no confidence they're going to work anything out based upon their track record at this point. And it's not just Speaker Kevin McCarthy. He's busy auditioning for the roller derby in the hallways of the Capitol. This was Speaker Mike Johnson's plan. So what does this tell us? Well, maybe it's not as easy as it all looked. Maybe the members have more faith in Mike Johnson and it's going to take a little time to crawl out of the hole that Kevin McCarthy dug through his deal-making and promises and lying? Okay, maybe. But here's the problem for an average person. You voted for change, and there's no change. You voted for something different, and it sure feels like the same old, same old. And again, for all those members of Congress who ran for office or ran for re-election saying you've got to elect Republicans because otherwise you're stuck with a Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer budget with all of this woke spending and wasteful spending. You vote for us and we're going to put a stop to that. Well, here's the thing to keep in mind, friends. And you know this, but I just feel compelled to point it out. When they pass the continuing resolutions as they have, they haven't modified anything. They didn't cut anything. They didn't change anything. They simply kicked it down the road. And that means continuing at the current spending, which means the Pelosi-Schumer budget that all of these people said was so horrible, we're still living under it. They're still approving it. It's in place now into the next calendar year. So I do understand, and, and this rant is something I shared with my Iowa audience today, and so they are probably sick of hearing it, but, but I'll finish it since I'm this far down the road. We have voted for change and seen nothing but the uniparty swamp continuing in Washington. And so an average person is going to look at this and say, what's the point? 
nothing has changed. You tell us how bad the border is, but you can't get a majority of people to take action against the person who's in charge of the policy? You can't get an impeachment vote? Because we're overrun at both the north and south borders. And yet, you've got a secretary who is derelict in duty, and you can't even get enough votes to take action on the one thing you say is your huge issue? This is where priorities come into play, friends. And it seems to me the priority at the moment was, boy, we sure don't want to be late for Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, don't, don't do like a couple of years ago when we were coming up against Christmas and the only reason we got a deal passed was because spouses and family members of lawmakers said, we are not postponing Christmas, you get your keister home. So they voted for a bad thing just to get it out and be done. No, their way is clear. Their way is clear to enjoy Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's and come back after the first of the year, nearly 60 days from now. And then we'll worry about it. And if we don't fix it, we'll just kick the can down the road further. You have leverage with deadlines. That's one of the good things about having these spending bills butt up against a holiday. Because members want to get home. Now, hopefully, that encourages them to get their work done and then leave. Not to hurry and pass a bad bill and then leave. But what happened here? We're going to kick that leverage right to the curb. So here's your metaphor. The leverage of deadlines was kicked to the curb, and the whole issue of spending was kicked down the road. They're going to enjoy their holidays. You and I are wondering, with inflation and supply chain issues, and I keep hearing stories about gas being uh, lower. I sure don't see it at my pump. It's been up in the last couple of months. We're going to worry about all of that. Oh, and by the way, it's uh, open enrollment time for changing your uh, health insurance, as you no doubt know from commercials. And so we're worried about all of these things, but their health care is covered, their salary is covered, and they're going to have a very nice holiday season. What's wrong with this picture? 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. That's the number so you can join this Coast to Coast conversation. We'll take your calls in the next segment. Grateful that you're along with us here in the Liberty University studio. I'm Jeff Stein, filling in for Todd on the Todd Starn Show. Legacy Precious Metals has a revolutionary new online platform that allows you to invest in real gold and silver online. Hi, this is Todd Starnes, and in just a few easy steps, you can open an account online, select your metals of choice, and choose to have them stored in a vault or shipped to your door. You'll have access to a dashboard where you can track your portfolio growth in real time, anytime. And you'll see transparent pricing on every coin and bar this puts you in complete control of your money. The platform is free to sign up for. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com and open your account and see this new investing platform for yourself. Gold hedges against inflation and against a volatile stock market. A true diversified portfolio isn't just more stocks and bonds, but different asset classes. And this new platform allows you to make investments in gold and silver, no matter how small or large, with a few clicks. Visit LegacyPMInvestments.com to get started. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com 
or call 866-649-0304. That number again, 866-649-0304, and start investing today. Welcome back to the Todd Starn Show from the Liberty University studio. I'm Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today. He's just a bit under the weather. 901-260-5926 is how you can join this coast-to-coast conversation. That's 901-260-5926. In the last segment, I was whining about the fact that Republicans have uh, abdicated their responsibility in large part And we now have averted a government shutdown. But more importantly, we have preserved their holiday break. And this is just, to me, one more reason why Americans are tuning out at a time when it is even more important that we laser focus. Now, understand, I I had a great experience yesterday. I took the afternoon off. Our weather here was 20 degrees above normal. There was no wind. We live out in the country in a wooded area, and I had some tree debris, and I wanted to uh, have a nice little controlled burn, nice little fire there, and so you can't do it certain times. But the weather was great, and I said, I'm going to take advantage. So I spent the afternoon out there unplugged from everything. Didn't do email, didn't listen to the radio, just had a nice quiet time doing a little bit of physical work. Now, you have to understand, I'm a pretty sedentary individual. I sit and talk into a tin can here so people can hear me on the radio, and I do a lot of typing for the web and scripts and all this. I don't do much, and so it was a big deal for me to be out there. But the point is, it was so good to unplug. And it reminded me that most of you pay attention to this stuff, but you've got your own lives. You're making plans to get together with family. You're doing all of the things that normal people do. And that's what gives me, and it's one of the few things that gives me confidence that we as a nation are going to survive all of this incompetence, corruption, and collusion. And by collusion, I mean Republicans and Democrats, the uniparty swamp. It's only through the greatness of the American people just living their lives every single day That's what gives me the confidence. But it's understandable why you would just unplug and disconnect, because what's the point? Well, the point is, well, this is cynical, but you've come to know that that's the place I come from, cynical land. Uh, If this is how they act when we are paying attention, imagine what they're going to try to get away with if we start tuning out if we don't pay attention to what our elected officials do, if we don't hold our members of Congress responsible. I hear a lot of people talk about we should get another candidate and primary the person in office. Yes, they're with my party, but we should primary them anyway. And to start off the next half hour, I'm going to talk to you about that idea. Because uh, you're, you want to you want to see the uniparty swamp, the comfortable elites spring into action. It's when you challenge one of their own, and I'll talk more about that after our bottom of the hour break. Nine zero one two six zero five nine two six is the number, and I'm repeating it because again, you've become accustomed over the last few years to a different number, but this is the one going forward. It's nine zero one. 
260-5926. As we do the best we can to live up to the traditions of those who came here before us. Sure, Thanksgiving, sure, the Founding Fathers, but even our own ancestors. They made the country what it is. We cannot, people, let it slip away. Jeff Stein in for Todd from the Liberty University studio. This is the Todd Starn Show. MyPillow is celebrating its 20-year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold. Mike Lindell at MyPillow wants to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in the history of MyPillow. You're going to get their queen-size MyPillow for $19.98, regular price $69.98, and just $10 more, you're going to be able to get a king-size pillow. You're going to receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products like bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. This is the time to try out some of their other amazing products you've had your eye on. Go to MyPillow.com slash Starns. That's MyPillow.com slash Starns. Use the promo code Starns to get this amazing offer of the queen size MyPillow for $19.98 or call 1-800-839-8506. The offer comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's MyPillow.com slash Starns. Use the promo code Starns or call 800-839-8506. Promo code Starns. Welcome back to the Liberty University studio and the Todd Starn Show. I'm Jeff Stein, filling in for Todd today. 901-260-5926. That's how you can connect and continue this coast-to-coast conversation. It's 901-260-5926. Before the break, I was talking about the idea of posing primary challenges to incumbents. I hear a lot of dissatisfaction from people about the incumbents that they had voted into office of their own party. So in other words, let's just assume you are a Republican, you worked for, campaigned for, at the very least voted for a Republican, and then they get a little touch of Potomac fever out there and they don't act like Republicans anymore. And you say, boy, sure wish we had another choice. Well you have a better chance of that inconsistent, shall we say, Republican, rhino Republican, use whatever phrase you like, that inconsistent Republican, you have a better chance of them doing what you want, or a Democrat. Well, that becomes an easier choice in the general election, but you may just say, you know, I just can't really support either of them and stay home. Well, we don't want that, obviously, but you think, you know, I just wish I had a better choice. So someone who says, you know, I'm going to challenge the incumbent in a primary, a partisan primary. Yes, I know they are a multiple-term incumbent, and yes, I know that the party's behind them, but I'm going to raise my hand and and raise a challenge. You're not going to see an awful lot of that because it is such an uphill climb. Now, I say that because in my home state of Iowa, A member of Congress who has been elected twice now has a primary challenger. I can guarantee you that the state Republican Party is not thrilled about it because of the fact that they don't want to run the risk of losing the seat and having an expensive or destructive primary battle. The theory is, 
the theory is that if you have a primary fight, you're going to burn dollars you wouldn't need to use that can be spent in the general election. The worry is that you're going to give the opposition party ammunition to use if uh, the incumbent winds up winning the primary and then goes forth in the general election. So there's a big attitude of go along to get along, a big attitude of, no, I promise I'll vote better in the future. Well, there was an individual, as I said, who did not like how the member of Congress had been voting. This member voted for Jim Jordan for speaker on the first ballot and then did not vote for him further and was among the initial crew eroding support. And so now this person says, you know, I don't like how you voted on the so-called Defense of Marriage Act. I don't like that you abandoned Jim Jordan after one vote. I don't like a few other things. So tell you what, I'm going to run. And I, I can tell you, it's not going to be easy. God bless the person for running. They've got the right intentions in, in mind. And in my view, let's have some primary challenges. Because if you are taken for granted as a voter, you are taken for granted as a voter because of your party identification or because you voted for a certain person one other time. You're, they're never going to change, and you're never going to get what you expect. Now, that was not stated very well. It's stated a different way. You don't like how your member of Congress has voted, but you don't want to vote for someone of the other side. You don't want to vote for a Democrat. Why can't there be a good, solid Republican challenge? And why can't that be a good conversation about policy? Because what if it takes the incumbent back to her or his roots? What if it takes that incumbent back to hear what the people really want and maybe refocus a little bit? That's worth the challenge. In other words, even if the challenge is unsuccessful, if it can help get that incumbent to focus a little bit more on what we the people wanted, that could be worth it. But there is going to be no end of hurdles in the way. The party doesn't want it, even though it might be a really good, healthy conversation that might actually bring more people into the process. They don't want it, and so it's going to be really hard for anyone to mount a challenge. So I guess what I would say is if you're really unhappy with how things have been going and people you thought would be fiscally conservative are now spending just as bad as the people who wear the other uniform, the other party, why not support somebody who says they're going to raise a challenge? Doesn't mean you ultimately have to vote for them, but it does mean that you're going to have these issues be front and center so that the person is held accountable. Yeah, you may wind up in the general election voting for the lesser of two evils because of party identification and because you just can't bring yourself to cross over to the other side because that would really be a mistake. But what's wrong with strong Republicans rising up and challenging incumbents who are not doing the job we sent them to do? I say there's nothing wrong with it. But it's going to require you listening to support those people when they try. Because they're not going to get support from the state party. They're not going to get support from the 
moneyed people who have already made a financial investment in the incumbent and sure don't want to have to lose that. That's not a good return on investment when the incumbent gets tossed on their ear right away, especially in a party fight, in a primary. But we have to support the meaningful conversation about what policy should be carried forth. Now, I think of this again in light of the kick the can down the road, kick leverage to the curb approach that was adopted this week. I do not see what the benefit is to me as a taxpayer. Again, I understand if you shut parts of the government down, it costs more money to open them back up. I get that. I do. But at some point, if we are not happy with the status quo, if we are not happy with the way business is being done, then we need to change the way that it's done. You need to bring people to account. And I'm, I'm just talking about the deliberative process. I am not talking about a gang of thugs turning on the Democratic, quote-unquote, National Committee office in Washington, D.C. Did you see that? You've got some of the highest-ranking Democrats in Congress there at a meeting with individuals who were either considering running or are running. And so this was the, the uh, let's-get-you-all-fired-up-for-the-campaign kind of meeting. And they're turning on themselves because the people inside the building are not as leftist as the ones in the street committing law violations. Why would you even want to be part of this swamp with that going on? Well, thank God there are still some good people who want to, but it's harder and harder to find them, and it's harder and harder to keep them from being turned into swamp monsters once they get there. But let's pick up on that for a moment. In 2020, in the aftermath of the death of George Floyd, opportunists used that death as a way to gain millions of dollars in extorted money from companies and institutions and individuals. And they took to the streets in a time of global pandemic. Isn't it interesting that you could not go to Sam Walton's store and shop without a face covering that was worthless, you couldn't do that because we were so scared that you might get yourself the COVID. But these people could go and loot and pillage and burn in the streets, and that was okay. Were they insulated from getting COVID because they were righteous? Well, see, Democrats encouraged all of that lawlessness in the streets. Why? Because they thought it would make Donald Trump look bad. For political reasons... Our major cities were given away to radicals and hoodlums and thugs in the summer of 2020 because it was expedient politically for national Democrats. So here we are three years later. That same behavior is being used on the gates of the White House, the Democratic National Committee headquarters in Washington, all manner of other locations, in major cities run by Democrats? Because the protesters are saying, hey, you haven't gone far enough. You said it was okay that we do these sorts of things. Well, we're going to hold you accountable too. Well, now it's different. Now it's different. You think Hakeem Jeffries was real pleased last night? 
when the building that he was in was being attacked by quote-unquote protesters, you start swinging clubs and uh, your picket signs into other people. You're not a protester. You're a thug. You're a law violator. It's no longer about your free speech. It's about a different form of terrorism. Not Hamas-level terrorism, but you're there supporting it, so I guess you might as well be labeled one of those. You're there to, f- to strike fear in the hearts of the other people. You're there to intimidate. You're there to get your way not based upon conversation about ideas, but who has the biggest stick, literally, to hit somebody with. So now the Democrats created this monster of folks roaming the streets, because three years ago that's how they got rid of bad orange man. What about now? How's that working for them now? And how do they turn it around our friend Todd has said to me on more than one occasion, you got to come down to Memphis. We'll show you all the great sites. Because he loves the city. That's why he moved back. That's why he started his business there, running a radio station and doing tremendous work. But then I see posts on the social media. FedEx Semi getting hijacked in the middle of a crowded interstate and looted etc., etc. That's all right down there. And I think to myself, "Mm, I'm just not sure I want to travel into these places. And there are hundreds, sadly, hundreds of other examples that you could cite across the country. The cities are for the moment lost. They can be reclaimed, but they're lost. And the problem is, One side is worried about losing what little power they have, and so they don't want a conversation of ideas. They don't want a conversation where we might oppose incumbents in a primary. Because we want change, but we don't really want change. We don't want our comfort to be affected. And you've got the other side that was encouraging the lawlessness when it served their purpose, and now it's being turned on them, and they don't like it. No different than sanctuary cities. Oh, we're so wonderful. We're a sanctuary city. Until you get overrun by illegals, and now it's, whoa, we've got to do something about this. You're letting us down. Yes, I understand, people. Hypocrisy in politics and government is nothing new. But that's why we need to call it for what it is when we see it. And who's the first named Democrat in a big city to admit they probably shouldn't have let this stuff get out of hand and to actually take a stand and do something about it? I will not wait for the answer, and I will not hold my breath, because I don't see it anytime soon. I just simply don't. But it's you good people who have to stand up for what's right, as you do. But we can never stop, even at this time of Thanksgiving. Because, again, that makes the point even clearer. We are so grateful for everything we have. We are so blessed and so fortunate. And that's why we cannot let it slip away. Phone number is 901-260-5926. 901-260-5926. We encourage your calls, and we'll take them in the next segment from the Liberty University studio. 
I'm Jeff Stein, in for Todd, and this is The Todd Starn Show. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Welcome back to the Liberty University studio and the Todd Starn Show. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today. 901-260-5926 is how you can join this coast-to-coast conversation. That is the number that John used to call in from Kentucky. John, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today, sir? Hey there, Mr. Stein. First of all, I wanted to thank your call screener for not hanging up on me because I also asked him when he heard a bad dad joke and he heard it, and I still think he's little kind of turn blue <laughs> from a bad dad joke. He'll tell it to you later. <laughs> I look forward to it. Uh, tell me, uh, you know, I, I've got family who uh, hail from southern Kentucky. What's on your mind today? Well, you know, the problem is with the voters, they don't read their history. Mm-hmm. The war did not end in April 1865 in Appomattox Courthouse. It did not. The only thing they did was the gun fell silent. Now that same war is taking place in the halls of Congress. I guess a real good example is that little childlike act of uh, the former House Speaker elbowing our distinguished, uh, his distinguished colleague in the, in, in the kidneys. Yeah. And my concern is right now is I'm, I'm listening and I watch about all this violence that is occurring. And it seems like it's almost getting to the point of what happened over a hundred years ago. And that's what I'm concerned about. And also, Mr. Stein, you know where you're going to find your most, a lot of your educated people? At Civil War reenactment sites and World War II reenactments, because it seems like they study their history, they understand the history, and that's where you get most of your educated voters and the veterans of World War II who are now dying at an alarming rate. And I'd like to hang up and listen for your comment, Mr. Stein. Great Thank show. You for God calling. bless you. Th- God bless you. Where are you from in Kentucky? What about what part of the state? Uh, Bowling Green. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you much for calling in. That's it was an intelligent call, as all calls are to this show. But but it it points out that again, we we don't take our past seriously enough in order to understand how it affects our present and our future. Now, I do uh, some syndicated programs in addition to the work on my radio station in Iowa, and one of them has to do with history. We talk about the history of my home state here. And it is amazing when you put it in full context, but it has to be done in inaccurate context. And so I think John's point about the, the fact that you are going to find really intelligent people who understand things 
immersed in the history of the time, that's incumbent upon us to learn from them. Because, absolutely right, wars don't begin and end on very neat and precise dates. I mean, yes, Pearl Harbor Day, December 7, 1941, was the date that the U.S. was attacked and then the U.S. declared war. But if you think that was the first day this nation was concerned about the conflicts that were going on around the world, if you think it was the first day that we were involved with partners in what would become the Allies on helping them defend themselves, no, it started years before that. And you can track anything back some period of years, and there's an aftermath afterwards, as he accurately pointed out. And we need to understand that to see where we are today. And I'm sorry, elbowing each other in the hallways? That wasn't allowed at junior high school. I'm Jeff Stein, in for Todd. Come back for Hour 2 of the Todd Starn Show. Live from the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's America's conservative blowtorch. That's us. That's right. I love this American ride. Todd Starnes. Oh, yeah. Wherever you're listening across this, the greatest nation God ever blessed, welcome to Hour 2 of a Thursday edition of the Todd Starnes Radio Program. Coast to coast on more than 140 tremendous radio stations and streaming live at ToddStarns.com. Hello, fellow patriots. I'm Jeff Stein from News Talk 1540 KXEL in Cedar Rapids and Waterloo, Iowa, the free state of Iowa. Thank you very much. And Iowa's home to the Todd Starns program. 50,000-watt blowtorch scorching middle America with accurate news and reasonable views, and it is, as always, a privilege to speak with you in Starnes Nation. Todd woke up a little under the weather today, so the staff urged him to nip this in the bud, and hopefully he'll be back with you tomorrow. But it is my pleasure to be here today, and I encourage you to call. Some folks were on the line as the news began at the top of the hour and dropped off, but we've got plenty of time to take your calls, so please call back to this number. 901-260-5926. That's 901-260-5926. And that's how you can join this coast-to-coast conversation in the Liberty University studio. Coming up before the end of this hour, we will speak with the CEO of the wellness company, Peter Galuli, And we're going to talk about how you can make sure you can keep yourself well around the holidays. It does seem to be the time when people get together and then just exchange all sorts of uh, germs and everything else. But there are broader safety issues as well. And um, it's one thing to know your local area. It's another when you travel outside your comfort zone. And we'll talk with Peter Galuli of The Wellness Company coming up before the end of this hour. Talk to you at any moment. Give us a call at 901-260-5926. Pete is on the line from Central Iowa. I'll have to ask him specifically where. I think we've talked before on this program. Pete, thanks for calling the Star and Show. Jeff Stein filling in. What's on your mind today? I'm in the Duffy Lions area, just west of you on Highway 30 and then south of Muskwaki. Wow, that is hometown area for me. Yeah, 
So uh, my top ex, Todd just mentioned it on a segment that uh, it's a growth industry, though, immigration coming through the southern border. You have transportation. You have food. You have government employees to handle those. So, you know, even uh, I've a couple times been down on I-80, and there's these white buses, they're Greyhound buses, but they have no marking. They're completely white and tinted windows. And I looked at the DOT uh, regulation or the, by the sign, and it says Mexico U.S. bus. No, nothing as far as, you know, signs and stuff. So there's a whole uh, bus line that are, are doing it. Uh, I think they've had... Uh, the Roosevelt in New York City, where the whole hotel is $600 uh, a night, and they're all paying for a room there for immigration. And so it's a whole industry, food, uh, the transport. The, they've had a segment where an airline uh, bumped off paying customers because the plane was full uh, of transporting uh, aliens. So it's a whole growth industry. Well, and it has always, Pete, been due to money, right? I mean, here you are in the state of Iowa as I am, and for... And for reference, Interstate 80, of course, is this coast-to-coast wonderful thoroughfare that goes right through the heart of the state of Iowa. But I go back, and and it's top of mind, Pete, because on my local program in Iowa today, I talked with our governor, Kim Reynolds, and I pointed out, you know, 40 years ago, in the 80s, there were certain communities in Iowa, and this was not the only place in the country, but they were... Areas that were targeted by those who entered the country illegally to come work at places like packing houses, etc. And why were those laws not enforced any more rigidly? Well, we needed the workers. That's what they always would say. There's the economic point to it. Why is it that we didn't crack down on illegal immigration for the last 40 years? Republicans, in theory, wanted to have workers for business. Democrats wanted to have new voters. But now you've got a situation where it's not just a few people here and there, or even a few thousand here or there. You've got a border like Swiss cheese to the north, and you've got an administration encouraging the illegals to come in from the south, And it's not like they're just coming from Central America. I have some very great concerns about who might be coming in to do us harm and setting up little terror cells around the country. Oh, exactly. And you mentioned about I-80. Well, it's a highway from Mexico up 35 and then east and west across the country. And it's amazing how many white vans, no marking, and they stop for gas, and they open, and three of them go to the bathroom, and then three more will come back, and three more will come. But there's 15 people in a white van, and they gas and go. And who knows where they're from and where they're going to. Well, they don't keep track, and that's the, that's the secret of the whole thing. Pete, how are you listening to the program? On a Getter live stream. 
Oh, good for you. Good for you. Hey, thanks so much for calling in, and uh, keep it safe on the road today. Yeah. Thank you. You too. All right, Pete calling in from down the road where I am. That was my home territory where he was talking about in central Iowa on the Getter live stream. All right. So many ways to listen to this uh, quote-unquote radio program uh, online and, of course, on one of the great affiliates like my home base at KXCL. But to you know, make the point even further of what Pete was saying, and I mentioned I talked with the governor of Iowa. They had the same problem here as they had in Tennessee and a few other states early on in the Biden administration. Do you remember this, where they were moving illegals around the country in the dead of night on airplanes and dropping them off wherever? And not only were they doing that, which was bad enough, not only did they do it without informing state officials, which was bad enough, Flat out lied to the state officials when asked. And again, it happened in Tennessee, it happened in Iowa, it happened in a lot of these other states where the Biden administration would load up the illegals and fly them around the country to spread them out. And when the state said, uh, there was a plane that landed at our major airport at two in the morning, uh, uh, could you explain, you know, what that was about, or four in the morning? And the best that the then press sec- secretary, Jen Psaki, could do is say, well, now, you said a plane that landed in the middle of the night. Four in the morning is really early morning, not the middle of the night. Seriously? That's what you focused on? I'm sorry, between midnight and 5 a.m., it's the middle of the night even though I get up at uh, 5 o'clock, and some of you probably get up earlier or you work later or whatever, but you get the point. They deflected from the actual issue, and it was only when lawsuits were threatened did they finally admit, oh, yeah, we dropped people off and didn't tell you who they were, and we don't know where they went. We don't really know who they were. It is not just that the border is open. That's the thing that makes this all so frightening. It is not just that the border is open. It is that this administration is affirmatively lying to the states as it carries out its purpose of moving the illegals around the country. But heaven forbid a governor from a Republican state tries to send some of these people to a big city, where they say they ultimately were going to go anyway. Remember that? The the issues about New York City and Chicago. The folks who were moved there wanted to go there ultimately. They thought, this is great. I get a free bus from the governor of Texas or the governor of Florida or somewhere. And then the heads of those big blue major cities, their heads exploded. We can't take all these people. Yeah, try being Texas. Try being Yuma, Arizona. And then, what we've been hearing a lot lately is that, and Pete alluded to this, that I was reminded of this when he said it, uh, there are certain of these illegals who were being put up at various facilities, nice hotels, whatever, for a limited time. Do you remember when they tried to move them out of the nice hotels? They got upset and said, well, wait a minute. You can't move us to inferior housing. We're at a four-star hotel. This is the American dream. No, the American dream is that you succeed after hard work. But let's just play this out a little bit. We are now seeing that many of these migrants 
are self-deporting. In other words, they came here on the promise of all this free stuff they were going to get and how life would be so great in America because this administration made it clear, come on up. And they can say they didn't do that all they want. Then why were these people wearing Biden for President t-shirts, some of them coming across the border? You remember the video of that. Shortly after this regime, the Biden crime family set up shop in the White House. But these people are now saying, well, wait a minute. This is hard. Living here is hard. I can't afford housing. I'm not working, of course, but I can't afford housing. So they said, some of these people, as they turned around before winter in the northern climate, they said, well, geez, if I got to live on the street, I'd rather do it back home where it's warm. And off they go. Self-deporting. That's a new thing. But to the original point of Pete's call, and then we'll take a break, as Todd has pointed out, this is an industry, and it all has to do with money. It has to do with the, the wrongful use of certain government entities. But anyone who thinks that what is happening now with our borders is because government is benevolent and we're just trying to help these poor people out who just want a better life, wrong on all counts. They don't care a hoot about the people. They care about how to exploit them for political purposes. And as I said, it it dates back decades with the idea being, stereotypically, Democrats wanted more uh, illegal immigrants for voting purposes. Republicans wanted them for business purposes. I'm not sure it's it's quite as uh, narrow as that, but you get the idea. The more someone says that this is all about humanitarian efforts, the more you know it's not about humanitarian efforts. It is always, friends, it is always about the money. 901-260-5926, 901-260-5926, that's 901-260-5926, that's how you can join us in the Liberty University studio. Frank, I see you're on the line, how about you hold through this break and I'll take your call right after that. Jeff Stein in for Todd, this is the Todd Starn Show. the Liberty University studio and the Todd Starn Show. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd on this Thursday. 901-260-5926 is how you can connect with us. That's the number that Frank used to call in from Gainesville, Georgia. Frank, thanks for joining the Starn Show. How are you? I'm good, Jeff. Enjoying the show. Appreciate it. I have good good friends in Prairie City, Iowa. Oh, absolutely. Good Dutch folk. We have a few of those uh, places around the state where you can uh, shine up your wooden shoes and uh, be right in in line with the community festivals. Hello? No, I'm still here. What's on your mind today? Uh, I wanted to ask you about the uh, presidential primary coming up. Yeah. And I saw where your governor, Governor Reynolds, has endorsed DeSantis. And I thought that was uh, kind of odd since he pledged to be neutral. And it looks like uh, Trump has been stabbed in the back again. So I wanted to get your comments on that. 
I absolutely will fill you in on it and stay on the line so uh, you can respond to it. Uh, Governor Kim Reynolds of Iowa declared that she would follow the tradition in our state for the first in the nation presidential precinct caucuses, which again have been around since 1972, more than a half century, and she was going to be neutral. And the idea was so that it would be you know, a fair sort of thing, let everybody come in and make their case. And and don't forget, you know, when these campaigns come to the state, they spend money. And so we wanted it to be an open, uh, an open contest. President Trump was not happy about that and made some public statements, uh, really ripping her for not endorsing him. Um, I think had she remained neutral, and I've said this on the radio multiple times here, uh, I think it's a mistake for her to have made any endorsement. When you start out and say you're going to be neutral, you should be neutral. Well, in August, late August, she started hedging, saying, well, she might endorse if it got closer. And then about 10 days ago, she came out with a full-throated endorsement of Governor DeSantis, someone that she has worked with. She is the head of the National Republican Governors Association. So they're peers, and they've worked on projects, and they're familiar with one another. Well, your timing is good, Frank, because I spoke with my governor today for my show on KXEL Radio in Iowa, and I asked, uh, why why the flip? And she basically said things had gotten so bad in the Biden administration uh, that she just felt she had to take a stand. Um, And as far as why Governor DeSantis, she thought that his track record of leadership in Florida during COVID, etc., mirrored what we had here in Iowa. And she made a very clear statement that uh, President Trump was a wonderful president at that time, but this is a different time, and if you elect DeSantis, you'll have this leadership for eight years, not just four. That's the, the headline, the short of it, Frank, of what the governor told me as to why she went back on her claim that or her decision that she was not going to endorse anyone, and then why she picked DeSantis. What's your reaction from Georgia when you hear that that's the rationale? Does that hold water for you? No, it doesn't. It's the same thing DeSantis did. Trump got him elected, and then he turns on him and uh, stabs him in the back. Sounds like the same thing happening here. Well, I tell you, I... I cannot argue a bit because I, I've tried. I've talked to a lot of people here in my state. Not, nobody I talk to, and I'm talking about Republicans as well as members of the media who talk to other people, they can't figure out what the benefit was for her to make the endorsement. There's no promise of any government job, not that you could have trusted that anyway. There's just no upside, and so it really didn't make any sense Do you think something like that's going to have any impact on the campaign? I don't, but do you think it's going to have any impact uh, for the governor of Florida? No, I don't. Uh, He's uh, fading, fading, and, uh, of course, now uh, pushing uh, Nikki uh, Haley, Mm -hmm. and I think that's going to fail. And uh, they all just uh, all drop out and get, uh, get on board with Trump. You know, we're facing hard well, times. No, we are. We're up again. And I'm facing a clock, Frank. I'm so sorry. We're right up against it. And, and this is what we say in the media is a hard break. And so they're going to cut us off if we don't stop. I'll pick up on what you were talking about on the other side of this break. Frank, thank you for calling in from Gainesville, Georgia. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd. More after this on the Todd Starn Show.
to the Todd Starn Show from the Liberty University studio. I'm Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today, who woke up just a bit under the weather. 901-260-5926. That's how you can join this coast-to-coast conversation. And before the break, we were talking with Frank from Gainesville, Georgia, and I had to cut him off because of the uh, hard break, as we call it, at the bottom of the hour. They would cut us off if we kept talking, so I had to bring it to a close. But I promised to come back and, and draw the loop on that. He had called about the governor of Iowa endorsing Governor DeSantis in the Republican presidential precinct caucuses and uh, the potential benefit of that or why that was done. When Governor Reynolds of Iowa said in August that she might endorse someone closer to the time of the caucuses, I said at the time, and I think I said on this program, that she would only do that if it was going to make a difference. And so at that point, the latest polling had Trump and DeSantis about eight percentage points apart. Well, fast forward two months to October. Trump's level went up just a tick. DeSantis's support went from 35% to 16 in the same poll. So maybe he was a little high in August. Maybe it was a little low in October, but the bottom line is he lost about half his support to the point that he was in a dead heat tie for second with Nikki Haley. And then all of a sudden the governor of Iowa made the endorsement. So in terms of my original thought that she would only endorse if it made a difference, I imagine that would be from second to first. I think they had to do the endorsement just to hope that he held on to second in Iowa. And he's dropped to, I think, fourth in New Hampshire in some poll, if I'm not mistaken. The way that this often works in Iowa, and it doesn't matter if there's a big front runner like President Trump, the Trump situation is unique, right? He's a force of nature to begin with. The fact that he was president and is running again after a gap, that's unique. And so it's hard to analyze how this whole process may play out, but the way it often works in a caucus and primary field is somebody rises, somebody falls. Somebody else rises, then they fall. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a cyclical thing. It's almost, and I've called it flavor of the month, which is, is not uh, very nice, I suppose, to these folks who are dedicating their lives to running. But the, the bottom line is somebody catches fire. Early on, it was Vivek Ramaswamy. And now his support is far, far lower than it was. The trick is that DeSantis is going downward, not irreversible. We still got almost 60 days. But his trending was downward, and, and Haley's is upward. Now, can she maintain that momentum for two months? Is her experience as U.S. ambassador to the United Nations helpful in a time of global crisis with terror attacks on Israel? Is that why that's happening? I know some uh, Iowa operatives are really paying attention to her now and starting to uh, lean that direction. And, uh, and the point about, well, everybody ought to just drop out and coalesce around Trump. Here's the only thing I would say in response to that. I really like to let voters decide things. And the problem with polls is that they are not as reliable as they used to be. And they might have been of limited benefit 20 and 30 years ago. So if we're simply going to go by who's leading in the polls, I'm very suspicious. I I just don't like it. No one has cast a vote yet in this process. 
Iowa Republicans will gather to caucus on Monday, January 15. New Hampshire Republicans will vote in the primary, which is an open primary, eight days later. It was announced this week. They finally picked the day, but we kind of knew where it would be. Tuesday, January 23rd. So by Wednesday, January 24th, you will have had Iowa and New Hampshire, two of the first four. To me, at that point, you start getting more of a sense of things. The rest of the first four, of course, South Carolina and Nevada. But Nevada is, uh, is a train wreck now because Democrats forced through a primary and Republicans said, now we're still going to have our caucus. And Nikki Haley filed for the primary, which means she can't do the caucus, but you can only get delegates if you do the caucus. And okay, so thank you, Nevada Democrats, for screwing things up for everybody. But the point is, nobody has actually cast a ballot. Nobody has actually officially made a statement. We're simply relying on polls. And if those polls lead some candidates to say, I have no path, Mike Pence, Tim Scott, whomever, then fine, I respect their judgment to get out. But the fact of the matter is, I'm not personally going to make any call for people to get out of the race and all coalesce behind one candidate until we've actually had citizens show up and cast a preference in a caucus or vote in a primary. I'm just not. Does it sure look like the Trump train is steaming down the track? Absolutely. How in the world you're able to pull down these poll numbers in light of all the forces against you? As I said, the man is a force of nature, and I say that in a very positive way. But I'm not going to get too excited about clear the field. Because if you think about it, going into the Iowa caucuses, when did Howard Dean run? Is that 2004? I can't even remember now. I just remember the scream. But in any case, he was on the cover of Time and Newsweek magazines back when that mattered, in December. You know, the headline, can anyone stop Howard Dean? Well, yeah, Iowa Democrats did. I think he finished third. So if we simply go by polls, if we simply go by uh, what we sort of think, that's cutting the voters out. And let me tell you, friends, the Republican National Committee is doing its level best to cut you out of this process. Their silly rules, their, their pathetic attempts to control every aspect of this, telling the candidates when and where they can appear, and if they appear with other candidates, then they forfeit their chance to be in, a, in an officially sanctioned debate. That's garbage. Absolute garbage and control attempts by the RNC. But until we have voting, I'm not going to say let's clear the field. 901-260-5926. We're going to take a break now. And on the other side, we're going to talk with Peter Galuli of The Wellness Company as the Todd Starnes radio program continues on a Thursday. Jeff Stein in for Todd. Thanks for being with us here on The Todd Starnes Show. studio and the Todd Starn Show. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today. Let's go to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line and we welcome Peter Galuli. Mr. Galuli is CEO of the Wellness Company. You find them online at twc.health. Mr. Galuli, Jeff Stein filling in for Todd. How are you today? I'm well, Jeff. Thanks for having me. 
I am so impressed with the work that your company is doing, as I've heard Todd talk about it, and I see it online. And, of course, if folks go to twc.health slash starns, they can save 10%. This is really an important time of year for people because we're, we're mostly used to being in our own corners of the world, right? And then you get into the Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays. We start traveling. We get out of our normal comfort zones. We get into unfamiliar territory. What are some things that folks can do to maintain health, wellness, and safety during this time of year? Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. And the, the first recommendation I would give you is to not follow the CDC's recent advice, which was to mask up and try to eat your Thanksgiving dinner outside. Uh, don't be afraid. Be prepared. Uh, you're going to be going back to your hometowns. A lot of people haven't been there in a few years, in fact. Uh, and I think it's going to probably look a little bit different. Uh, hometown America has changed for a lot of people around the United States, uh, and, and maybe not for the better. One of the big trends that we've seen at the wellness company is that these Main Street America pharmacies are closing. Uh, over 40% of Americans now live in what's called a pharmacy desert, over 10 miles from the nearest pharmacy. So if you need drugs in a pinch over the holiday season, it's best to stock up early and be prepared rather than wait until you get sick. That's such an excellent point because it used to be you could find a place to go, you could get a prescription phoned in or transmitted by fax or however you do it. We just don't have that opportunity because of the facilities closing and supply chain that we used to have and the sort of thing that we've taken for granted all these years. Yeah, it's, it's, it's truly shameful. I mean, the healthcare system in America is crumbling. Uh, the pharmaceutical industry has outsourced all of its production uh, overseas, especially China. Almost 90% of prescription medications today are actually produced overseas. So when you have these big conflicts that we are seeing right now flare up in, you know, say, the Middle East or you know, Ukraine and Russia, uh, which is still uh, burning, uh, what do countries do? Well, they close their borders, they stockpile on uh, life-saving medications, and that just you know, drives up prices on top of the Biden inflation that we're seeing already today in many uh, storefronts across America. So it's a, it's a hard time to need drugs in America, Jeff. Um, and I, I truly hope that people understand that um, it's not quite as easy and convenient as it used to be. What are some things that people can do? And I say that because uh, I work for a company that it's part of the normal process. We're changing our health plan with the new year. And that means I've got to look at a different uh, pharmaceutical provider, and I don't know if they're in network and not in network. And so so many of us at this time of year feel like things are out of control, right? It's out of our hands. What are some things we can do to regain control and have some greater confidence? Yeah, well, first of all, Jeff, the, the best way to save on health care costs is to not get sick in the first place. So everybody should be really having a, a set routine every day of preventative care. It includes proper supplementation. Uh, we see Americans uh, everywhere that are having massive uh, nutrient and vitamin deficiencies just because of what's in our food, sadly, right? So everybody should be taking uh, a regime of, you know, a multivitamin and immune booster every day in order to stay strong. I hope that they can go online and check out the offerings that Dr. Peter McCullough and his team designed at TWC.health. Uh, we think we've done a really good job at covering Americans across multiple conditions that are of high concern. Uh, and then the second thing is to stockpile and then be ready for the, the time when you do get sick. So um, a lot of Americans prepare for the worst. I mean, they stockpile food, ammo, gold, uh, but don't forget meds. That's the other four-letter word that you need to keep in mind when it comes to stockpiling. Uh, and at the wellness company, we've designed a medical emergency kit. 
So it is a convenient box that you can even throw in your carry-on luggage if you like uh, that contains eight life-saving medications, things that every American should have in hand next to Tylenol, things like amoxicillin, Z-Pak, Ivermectin, uh, as well as a easy-to-use uh, handbook that will give you instructions on safe use so that if you encounter anything from the benign tick bite all the way up to you know COVID or a bioterror attack, we have those scenarios covered uh, so that you know what to do uh, when the emergency strikes. It's really not if, it's when, as everybody knows. Peter Galuli of The Wellness Company joining us on the Todd Starn Show. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd. slash starns If you go there, you have your promo code STARNS, you can save 10% at TWC.health. Now, you just mentioned bioterror. Uh, we've been talking about immigration. We've been talking about porous borders. Uh, and we have all of these folks who are protesting all manner of things. Are there some concerns about our safety, especially near some of these bigger cities or college towns? And if so, what can we do about it? Yeah, the, the best thing that you can do is, is to firstly just, again, stock up on those items that I said, have water, have excess food in your house. You know, we don't know what's coming next, but personally, it's very disturbing what we're seeing happen on college campuses and uh, in, in America's largest cities with these um, pro-Israeli, pro-Hamas uh, marches that we're seeing all over the place and, and the conflicts that are erupting around it. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to be here to, to fear-monger the audience, but um, obviously, keep your family safe. If you want to go to museums and stuff, plan your trip ahead of time. Uh, make sure that you're not going to be going into a place that there's an active protest being planned on Facebook or something. It's, it's, it kind of seems like a sad thing to warn people about nowadays, Jeff, but uh, I think in the state of the country right now, uh, everybody should just keep their head on a swivel. Well, it's and it's not whipping up fear because it's a very real situation and people uh, want to know what they can do about it and still live their lives. You mentioned a moment ago the CDC guidelines for Thanksgiving, which I had uh, blissfully ignored. But holy cow, masks and eat outside. Okay, that's that's a great idea. I mean, it feels like we're into a presidential season. I hate to say it, but are we getting into one of these uh, situations where the government is going to suggest that we, all, that we all have to hunker down and it's nothing more than just uh, a political ploy? You know, it wouldn't surprise me anymore, Jeff. I think the other thing that I saw straight from the news headlines last week, um, <clears throat> there's a substance called phenylphrine. You know, nobody would recognize that if I say that word, but you will recognize uh, brands like Dayquil, Sudafed, Mucinex. Uh, Phenylphrine is the active ingredient in all of those cold and flu medications. Uh, and the FDA decided last week that they don't believe phenylphrine is effect, uh, effective. And that has led to some pharmacies, I think CVS led the way, to pull those products off the shelves. So we're seeing kind of some, some pretty disturbing signs here, Jeff, about medicines that you know you and i have been you know trusting for decades that are now being removed from the shelf just like we saw a couple of years ago with you know hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin being pulled off the shelves and, and it just leads me to wonder you know is something else on the way and i think that's what's really motivated so many people to be picking up one of the medical emergency kits or covid kits that the wellness company offers because you know why, why wait until you're sick to really need one of these medications or worse why wait until you need it and then suddenly the fda decides that you know you're no longer allowed to buy it twc.health/starns 
That's where you can use promo code STARNS and save 10% from The Wellness Company. We've got about two minutes left with Peter Galuli of The Wellness Company. I was looking at the website, and you've got nice little tabs about who works for you and who's on what staff. Dr. Drew has joined your board. That's a big deal. Yeah, we're so excited to add Dr. Drew uh, to The Wellness Company's chief medical board. I mean, you know, he's been a fixture uh, in the media circuit for decades now, Um He's helped so many Americans uh, educate themselves about health and wellness topics. Um, you know, we became close to Drew over the past year. You know, he's been um, increasingly speaking about uh, how, um, you know, effectively the uh, patient-physician relationship, which was once sacred in medicine, is now kind of taking the back seat. Uh, sadly, to the interests of the healthcare systems, the insurance companies, the big government agencies, big pharma, uh, the patient is now just a billing code, right? And they receive some sort of, you know, blanket template standard of care. Uh, and, and Dr. Drew just despises that. So you know, he's joined the wellness company to help us design these great products like the uh, supplements that we mentioned earlier, like the medical emergency kits, and moreover, to help educate people on things that they need to be doing to staying healthy and well, uh, because that's really um, what we're all about is having people um, with the tools to own their own health and wellness. I mean, you had a great team before, but now it's like the 27 New York Yankees. You just added another clutch hitter to the lineup with Dr. Drew. All right, it's TWC.Health, the wellness company, TWC.Health slash Starns, and that promo code Starns saves you 10%. And, and lastly, in just a few seconds, not all vitamins are, are considered equal, if you will, right? And so you, you need to really research and make sure that you're getting things with good ingredients and not just uh, go for something that looks cheap on the shelf, right? I would not put anything I bought off Amazon in my body, Jeff. I mean, <laughs> uh, you want something that's from a, from a reputable company like the wellness company that is made here in the United States by Americans and not made in some Chinese lab somewhere. Uh, we all know how that goes. Peter Galuli, The Wellness Company, TWC.Health. Thanks so much for the time. Great to talk to you, sir. You too. Take care. TWC.health slash Starns. If you use the promo code Starns, you save 10% at TWC.health. Another hour of the Todd Starns Show coming up. Be with us. From the Liberty University studio in Memphis, Tennessee, it's America's favorite gun-toting, Bible-clinging, deplorable American. That's us. That's right. I love this American right. Todd Starnes. Oh, yeah. Wherever you're listening across this, the greatest nation God ever blessed. Welcome to Hour 3 of a Thursday edition of the Todd Starnes Show. Coast to coast on more than 140 outstanding radio stations and streaming live, among other places, at ToddStarns.com. Hello, fellow patriots. I'm Jeff Stein. Todd woke up a little under the weather today. We trust he'll be back tomorrow. It's my privilege to join you from the free state of Iowa and my home base at News Talk 1540 KXEL. Liberty University Studio is our location. Phone number is 901-260-5926. We'll get to your calls in a little later segment in this uh, program. Coming up in about 30 minutes, we'll speak with Liz Peek, columnist for Fox News and The Hill. But now we go to the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. 
Privileged to speak again with Congressman Pat Fallon of the great state of Texas. Congressman Jeff Stein filling in for Todd. How are you today? Jeff, how are you doing? I am pretty well, although I just have to wonder, are we ever going to get this budget thing worked out in a satisfactory manner where, you know, heaven forbid we spend less? Uh, (laughs) Well, when you have Democrats as a majority in the Senate, and you have a liberal Democrat sitting in the White House, that is a tall order. Yeah. And that's why we have to do our best with the slim majority that we have in the House to to compel some concessions. I mean, obviously, conservatives aren't going to get everything that we want when we have one out of the three key elements to passing any legislation. But we need some things, or what the heck is the point of being there? So that, I guess, is the old word called compromise. But, you know, we need to extract as many concessions as we can. Do you think that having until January... In other words, get the holiday deadlines out of the way. Is that going to give enough time to work things through so that you can have a little more measured conversation about these individual spending bills and move them along to the Senate? Do you, do you have confidence that it'll work out as the schedule would suggest it might? It might. And what we wanted to avoid, I mean, Speaker Johnson did a great job in so much as he just, he's been Speaker for a few weeks. Yeah. And we needed to give him some runway. He's literally the most conservative Speaker of the House we have ever had. And, I, you know, I, I do think we can get there. But what we didn't want, what we definitely want to avoid, was getting jammed by the Senate with another huge omnibus spending bill right before Christmas. We wanted to get past that, and that's what we're, uh, we were able to do. Now, I didn't vote for the CR because it had no provisions for border security. And being from Texas, we, we just we have to put our foot down at some point. So I could see both sides, but that's why I voted more. Well, and and I applaud you for standing up for what's right on that because uh, you know again, we have to have this thing uh, move through the process. And I understand the politics of it, but uh, the only thing the Biden administration has been a record setter in is illegal activity at our southern border, but also our northern border. And as you say, that's your backyard. This is serious, serious stuff. Uh, Do you think that people are either paying attention or are we now just immune to it? I hope it's not that, but I almost feel like people are just kind of shrugging their shoulders. Well, I'll tell you something. Uh, That's a great point, Jeff, is the the border has never been worse. And Joe, Joe Biden has made every state a border state. The Left wing and I sorry for being redundant here. The legacy media has completely ignored it purposely. But then, when you send buses of illegals to cities like New York and Chicago and Washington D.C., these so-called sanctuary cities, well, they don't want to be sanctuaries anymore because it costs a lot of money. So, what I think we should do is keep running buses right to Joe Biden's house, uh, his uh, beach home in Delaware, where Hakeem Jeffries and Chuck Schumer live in New York. And to uh, even, you know, let's former Speaker Pelosi, let's send him up to San Francisco. If Eric Adams, if you take his own mask, and it's going to cost him $12 billion to handle 110,000 illegals, well, then that means it's going to cost, by his own math, a quarter of a trillion dollars for Texas to handle this. So it's never been worse. We've had 17 months where we've had over 200,000 illegal border crossings in a given month. We had never had a month like that just before Joe Biden took office. That yeah. is remarkable, and it's alarming. We talked about this in that same way this past hour, and so I'm glad to hear you say the same things that, that I was just spouting about, because you've got the numbers to back it up. And as you say, we didn't have 200,000 until this regime took over, 
And now, more than half of the time that they've been in office, they've hit that mark. And as I said, that's the only thing that they seem to be good at, other than avoiding subpoenas, and we'll get to that in a moment. But uh, if, if this does not become a problem in the big blue cities, you're never going to get any help in Texas. And you folks have fought the battle because uh, you're on the front line. No, it, we're definitely on the front line. I mean, you got 169 people that are on the terrorist watch list get apprehended. That is, an, that in and of itself, it shouldn't be one person. There might be a couple every year, but 169? We had 80,000 deaths to fentanyl. Most of those precursors are made. Most of those precursors are made in uh, China, and then they're ferried through with Mexico. So, uh, you know, it, it's I. It's never been worse. It's incredible. And that this administration wants to just continue this policy and not reinstitute weight in Mexico and not reinstitute, oh, I don't know, building a border wall and barriers. Those things work. There, isn't there a wall, if I'm not mistaken, a fence around the White House? Now, why is that? Why would you think that is, Jeff? Because maybe it works. <laughs> Well, and why is it that they enforced it not long ago when there were pro-Hamas protesters at the White House and climbing the fence? Now, they didn't treat them like uh, January 6th uh, individuals, but they still got them the heck off the fence, didn't they? Was that an insurrection? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, by their definition, it would have been. And we had a month where we had actually over 300,000 illegal border crossers. There's over 160 countries that have been represented by people that have crossed the border illegally. And then, get this. There were more, last month, there were more Venezuelans that crossed our southern border illegally than Mexicans. Almost twice as many, not quite twice as many, but closing in on that number. That's remarkable. We've got, the border is wide open, and the costs are incredible into the hundreds of billions of dollars. The left will always say, yes, but they pay taxes, and they don't. Yeah, when you even factor in the taxes that illegals pay, many of them get paid under the table, don't pay any taxes. Many of them get the, the credit on their taxes where they actually make a, a you know a net benefit but it's hundreds of billions of dollars and that's it's unsustainable Congressman Pat Fallon from the 4th District of Texas joining us on the Todd Starn show Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today there's an arrogance that surrounds this administration unlike any we've seen certainly in the last couple of decades and we, we you know the Obama folks were pretty arrogant but the Biden folks never make a mistake they're doubling down on this horrendous policy on the southern border, and they seem to think that uh, Joe Biden is above the law when it comes to having to account for laundered money and uh, documents. It seems that uh, it's just going to have to be your uh, oversight committee that uh, takes care of business and tells us what's really going on, because they just think they're immune from everything. No, it's because he's been in office. I mean, being a United States senator, they have a lot of power and they have some, uh, you know, a lot of authority. He's been in office for 50 years. He doesn't know anything else. He's a big deal in his own mind. So, mm. you know, or nearly 50 years. So here's what we've found. And this is interesting. And it can't be understated. We, on the Oversight Committee, we have subpoenaed bank records from Biden family members eight separate times. And all eight times, we have found more foreign money that poured into their coffers. So it's we're not we haven't reached the limit. It's just a question of they they hit it rather well. If we had been having this discussion just a year ago, I would have told you we have found a million dollars worth of foreign money into the Biden family pockets. Now it's twenty four million. And if you believe the FD ten twenty three, which I definitely do, 
that's out there to read by the highly credible informant and all his information is always checked out true, that's $34 million. Is it going to top out there? Almost definitely not. Also, the Bidens not only formed 20 different shell companies, but they all have uh, many different individual bank accounts because they just it's a very complicated one and you have to find. So there's accounts that we haven't found yet. That's why I'm very excited that we subpoenaed Hunter and Jim Biden, and I hope that they come in to testify under oath. I don't remember in law school if we were ever taught about shell corporations and money laundering per se, but I can tell you that when your chairman, Mr. Comer, had that video a few weeks ago where it showed the money went into uh, this account and then it was siphoned into this little shell company and 10% went here, I mean, it was just textbook. That's what you would teach if you're saying, this is how you uh, do an extreme an extensive money laundering scheme. It is just so apparent. Do you think you're going to be able to put a bow on this so that there is accountability for, as you said, someone who has spent a half century in public office being told how great he was and having people pay him for access and privilege? And this is nothing new with the Biden family. It's just that Joe Biden's stock went up when he became vice president. Yeah. And then Barack Obama uh, mistakenly and really uh, with short-sightedness gave him some authority, particularly over Ukraine, and he gave him some other real jobs that he didn't hesitate to exploit. I mean, to the average person, it is blatantly obvious what they were up to. Never mind the proof that we have, but just to say, for instance, his son was a derelict and a failure as a, an adult human being. And, I, you know, and what happens? He, his dad becomes vice president, and he gets a million-dollar-a-year job at an energy company in Ukraine. The guy has had zero experience in any kind of energy. The CEO calls him stupid and, you know, doesn't have any knowledge. So why was he hired? He was hired because it just so happened that Joe Biden was overseeing Ukrainian matters for the administration. Isn't that interesting? And it just so happens, according to the FD-23, that Zilchevsky, the oligarch at Ram Burisma, who's uh, company Hunter was on the board of, also paid Hunter and Joe $5 million each. So why do you think that was? What, what service were they providing other than access and influence peddling? Because Solchevsky wanted to make sure that that investigation in Ukraine that was uncovering his corruption ended. And what did Joe Biden do? Withheld a billion dollars worth of aid until that prosecutor was fired. And he was. That is All the pieces of the puzzle fit together perfectly. And proudly bragged about it when he was out of office and figured it was just a humorous story as he's on the rubber chicken circuit, if you will, at a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars a crack. Well, that's another thing, Jeff. We got to understand where was Joe Biden thinking when he was in the last couple of years of his vice presidency? He wasn't going to run because Hillary was going to run, and Hillary was not only going to run; she was going to win. She was going to be sworn in as president in January 2017. So Joe Biden's political career was over. He's not going to run in 16. He sure as heck isn't going to run for Hillary against Hillary in 2020. So he's not going to run in 24 when he's 80 plus years old. So they got a lot. They got a lot more. They got careless towards the end. They got blatant. They they knew that they had a grab with both hands because they couldn't sell his access or influence any longer because he would be a has been retired. Um, you know, kind of never was really. But uh, and that's why we've caught a lot of the things that in the net now because they were sloppy then. 
Let me ask you finally, and, and I really appreciate this extended conversation because you have so much to offer on all these topics, but uh, what's going to happen with U.S. support for Israel? I, I The administration pays lip service, but they certainly don't have... Uh, they certainly don't have Israel's interest at heart, not with the state of Michigan up for grabs in the next presidential election. What do you think is going to happen with uh, U.S. support? Are you going to be able to get through the funding to help our ally without having to attach a whole bunch of other things to it? You know what? We passed, uh, as you know, a $14 mm-hmm. billion aid package to Israel, the House, and right. then Chuck Schumer sat on it because clearly it's not a priority for the Democratic Party any longer, and that's frightening. But that's uh, that's just a fact. And if you notice the the verbiage and the language that the, this administration uses and their media arm, which is the legacy media, they're their marketing firm, it's always Gaza, Gaza, Gaza. How about you know Hamas is raping Gaza to begin with? They're, they're, that's why they don't have running water. That's why they don't have electricity after the Israelis left in two thousand and five because there is no infrastructure, because Hamas steals all the money. And when you provide humanitarian aid to the Gaza Strip, Hamas just steals it, and then they sell it, and they build more rockets. So, no, I'm not for humanitarian aid that's going to get robbed and then killing by killing more innocent people. Israel was attacked. And just like Golda Meir said, if, when, if there would be peace if the Arabs just put down their guns. But if the Jews put down their guns in Israel, there will be no more Israel. Yeah. And that's just a fact. And we have to acknowledge that. I like to live in this, this world, in this reality. I think a lot of the times this administration and the liberals in this country, they're living in orbit around Neptune. Yeah, but we shouldn't speak ill of Neptune like that. <laughs> no, Neptune's okay. I don't want to smudge that nice rock way out there. <laughs> it's a liberal star way out there. But, you know, yeah, we, we, of course, have to support Israel. And who would have ever thought 20 years ago that the Democratic Party would abandon Israel and uh, American, uh, the American Jewish community, because not all of them have, but a whole hot pile of them have, and all the new left, far lefty ones, like the Squad, and that they have, they are pro Hamas communists. That's what they are. So let's just call them for what they are. Hundred percent agree, Congressman. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. Keep up the good fight, Jeff. You're a great American. Thank you, sir. God bless. Happy Thanksgiving. And the same to you and yours, Congressman Pat Fallon of Texas. Joining us on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker Line. Love to get your thoughts at 901-260-5926. Short break now. Your call's on the other side. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd from the Liberty University studio on the Todd Starn Show. Welcome back to the Todd Starn Show from the Liberty University studio. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today. I was watching TV the other night, and a sitcom came on, one of the uh, rerun. You know, it had been around 10 or 15 years ago, whatever. And some of the characters were pulling out cell phones. And they were little flip phones with antennas. And you think, wow, that just looks so out of place. And at the time, we thought it was so cool. But this technology has changed so much. And now we have so many options that are available. For the past 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. They've been great supporters of this radio program, and it's a great partnership, Starnes and Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, and that gives you the ability to access all three major coverage networks. That means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to 
without funding the left through those big three companies. You know the ones I'm talking about. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech. You support the sanctity of life, religious freedom, the Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. Patriot Mobile's 100% U.S.-based customer service team, that's 100% U.S.-based, thank you very much, they make switching easy. You can keep your number, keep your phone, or upgrade. They've got phones for you, too. The main thing is their team will help you find the best plan for your needs. So get connected now before the holiday season and all the traveling and all the rest. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Todd or call 972-PATRIOT. Free activation. Hello, free. Yes, he said free. Free activation today with the offer code Todd. Make the switch. PatriotMobile.com slash Todd or call 972-PATRIOT. Use your keyword Todd. PatriotMobile.com slash Todd or call 972-PATRIOT. What a great conversation with uh, Representative Fallon in the last segment. If you missed it, would like to share it or listen to it again, wait a little bit, then go to the Toddcast podcast available at ToddStarns.com. All the segments from the show posted there each and every weekday, ToddStarns.com, the Toddcast podcast. And when we come back after this bottom of the hour break, the always informative Liz Peak will join us. That's coming up. I'm Jeff Stein filling in for Todd from the Liberty University studio. Thanks to you for being along. Another half hour coming up of the Todd Starn Show. Welcome back to the Todd Starn Show from the Liberty University studio. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd from the free state of Iowa today. Good to have you along. You know, during the bomb of the hour break, I saw that someone had uh, posted a comment. A friend of mine had posted a comment to me on Instagram. So I open up the app and the first post I see unrelated to that is Todd Starnes pictured with what appears to be Elvis Presley and Priscilla. There has got to be a story behind this. But if you go to Instagram, Todd Starnes FNC, there's a picture of your host with Elvis and Priscilla. I don't know if that has to do with why he's not here today. I trust he'll be back tomorrow. But it's always a privilege to fill in and always a privilege when I see the guest list includes Liz Peake. You read her work at foxnews.com and The Hill and, of course, her website, lizpeake.com. Thanks so much for taking the time. Good to talk to you again. Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to join you. So I just get this feeling that Joe Biden had his lunch money stolen from him at this meeting. I mean, is there any benefit to the U.S.? I I was not optimistic going in, but uh, what's your reaction? Well, I was very pessimistic about this meeting, mainly because the Biden administration continues to act and behave as though we need China more than China needs us. And that, of course, is completely backwards, because, in fact, Xi Jinping's economy is in trouble. He has taken total uh, responsibility for managing that economy. And what is particularly going wrong for China is that foreign companies are leaving as fast as they can. And foreign direct investment has plummeted uh, going into China. That is a big problem for them. Hence, you had this 
what I thought was really sort of a despicable meeting last night with a lot of American CEOs and Xi Jinping, where they gave him a standing ovation. Uh, I don't know about you. I don't know what Xi Jinping has done to deserve a standing ovation. In my view, nothing. And particularly from the heads of American companies from which he has stolen hundreds of billions of dollars of intellectual capital, uh, patents, etc. So I, I thought the whole meeting was an embarrassment uh, and honestly shameful. And not just that they gave a standing ovation, which which was disgusting. I mean, polite, you know, golf clap at best, just because he happens yeah. to be a world leader. But they paid, what, $40,000 per person for the <laughs> privilege of bowing down and, and kissing his shoes? I, I don't understand. Well, I, I mean, look, all these guys want to do business in China. Understandably, it's a huge, huge country. Uh, a growing middle class, although right now it's growing not at all. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that was the number everybody paid to be at that dinner, but everyone did pay. And I think to sit at Xi's table, yeah, it was probably like 20000 bucks a person. Pretty astonishing, right? Anyway, look, I, I, what, did, what came out of this meeting, uh, if we actually have now military-to-military communications open, that's a good thing. If China, if China really cuts down on the uh, export of materials to make fentanyl, clearly that might save lives. We need that to happen. But it is pretty astonishing that there was no, no commentary at all from the president or from anybody else about the fact that the fentanyl is flowing across our unguarded border. So they may cut down on the exports. But really, the thing that has to happen is our border has to be, we have to retake control of our border, which we have not done. That's such an excellent point, because you can lay this at the feet of China, that's fine, but what are we doing to help the situation? And to your point, not only are we not doing anything to help the situation, we're encouraging lawless behavior, not just on the southern border, which is just wide open, but a pretty porous northern border as well. Yeah, I I mean, look, uh, the lack of accountability, the lack of law enforcement is the hallmark of this administration. And and take no, I mean, you don't have to go any further than looking at the setup for this meeting, where we basically, uh, not we, but Governor Newsom uh, and the officials in San Francisco, Mayor Breed and so forth, cleaned the streets, put out all the drug addicts and, and the vagrants, took them elsewhere. Why? Because China has made propaganda goldmine out of San Francisco, even before this meeting, talking about it being a hellhole and how this is indicative of America's decline. You know what? They're right. It is uh, indicative of our decline in terms of standards, in terms of law enforcement and accountability. I don't know about you. I am so offended by the idea that these officials would clean up San Francisco for Xi Jinping and all these foreign dignitaries but for the taxpayers, for the residents, the people who support that city, they don't care at all. And when all these dignitaries are gone, it'll go back right to where it was before. And that's what's really disgusting about the whole thing, is that rather than try to hold China accountable for any number of atrocities that have been committed, you're basically... Well, not not only are you are you cleaning up the city, but I mean it's it's really sad when when you have to trust the leader of China to be more accurate than the leaders of the United States of America on these topics. And he was right; it is a hellhole, 
and they just proved it by the cleanup. You can see the before and after. Yeah. So, I mean, um, going back to your initial comment, what actually came out of this meeting, I would yeah. say not much. Um, and, and that was, frankly, kind of what everybody expected. Liz Peak joining us on the Todd Starn Show. Jeff Stein filling in for ToddLizPeak.com is her website. What should have come out of this? I don't know that we can trust any military alliance, given China's view on Russia's invasion of Ukraine, etc. I'm just uh, wondering what you would have hoped in a most optimistic way if we had decent leadership could have come from it. Well, look, let's go back to the first time that Antony Blinken, uh, representing the United States of America, met with his Chinese counterparts after Joe Biden was elected. What did China do? They dressed down. They insulted and dressed down the United States uh, for our supposed Black Lives Matter infringements on human rights and so forth. In other words, they took the aggressive posture the United States uh, was phony in terms of all their claims and so forth. We did just the opposite in this meeting. We basically uh, held Xi up uh, as sort of a, um, a potential friend of the United States. No, he is not a potential friend of the United States. Xi Jinping, up until about two or three months ago, has basically broadcast to the Chinese people that the United States is an inferior nation in decline. That has been the narrative. Now, all of a sudden, he's done a little loop around, 180-degree turn, and basically come to the United States because he needs American companies to stop leaving China. That is a huge problem. Well, how about we take the same kind of a little bit aggressive position and say, we know you are funding Iran. We know you are funding Russia, which is, by the way, true, because that is where all the rough Russian oil is going. That's where all the Iranian oil is going. How about we say we demand that you if you want to participate in the family of nations, you stop importing Iranian oil until they stop backing the Houthis and the Hezbollah groups and others that are creating mayhem in Israel and in the Middle East. That, to me, would have been a very clear message to Xi Jinping. In other words, the entire thing was sort of trying to get America back on a stable relationship with China, that's fine. We should have a stable relationship with China. But should we be kowtowing to China? No. Well, and once again, that was just such an excellent point. He needs us more than we need him. Their real estate market collapsed a few years ago to where where they're doing, what, uh, knocking down buildings under construction because they couldn't afford to finish them. There'd be nobody who would rent from them anyway. I mean, it's it's a position where we had the opportunity to be in the position of strength, and instead it was uh, hero-worshipping and, and no doubt having G just chuckling the whole way back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in terms of the property market in China, I've seen a statistic that it literally, if every Chinese person bought an apartment, there still would be extra apartments left over. That is what the empty shell buildings look like over China. Look, Xi did the right thing in terms of trying to crack down on the highly speculative uh, real estate market. But because he did it in his usual bludgeonly way, now, the, yes, the real estate market is in complete collapse in China. Uh, prices continuing to go down, et cetera. And the problem with that is most Chinese do not have an opportunity to buy stocks and bonds 
what do they invest in? They invest in real estate. So that is one reason the consumer sentiment in China right now is at such a low ebb. People have lost a lot of money under this uh, uh, President Xi. And, you know, also unemployment is very high for people uh, under age of 30, et cetera. There's a lot going wrong. And so, yeah, again, in terms of glorifying the nation or its leader, big mistake. I guess it could have been worse. Biden could have done an even worse deal, probably. And then, but uh, I'm, I'm not. That's not. That's not much comfort to me. I'll have to say. <laughs> I don't think it should be. Look, he didn't give away a huge sector of America. There's always that possibility, right? No, I always, great. I always said when uh, when uh, Biden was going to meet with Putin that I hope he didn't give away Alaska. You know, there's always that possibility that he goes completely off the rails and does something crazy. I don't think anything crazy got done. But when it is interesting that when the, in the lead up to this bilateral meeting, all they, you know, when they talk about that th- we need to be able to work together with China for areas of mutual interest. What are those areas of mutual interest? You never hear about health. Why is that? Oh, maybe the Wuhan virus and the fact that the Chinese have, to this day, refused to allow any serious investigation of the source of COVID, which has killed, what, 7 million people around the world, and China has never been held accountable for it. So we can't talk about health. What is the area of mutual interest? Is it military? Obviously not. Oh, I know, it's climate change. And that is why John Kerry was sitting two places to the right of Joe Biden at that table, because that is the one area that this administration thinks we can use China to further humanity's uh, interests. But even the New York Times about two weeks ago wrote a scathing article about China's supposed efforts on climate change, which amount to continuing to build more coal-fired power plants than the rest of the world put together. And now they are a bigger emitter than the United States and EU combined. China is it. I mean, if you actually want uh, a change in climate or the change in emissions, you have to go after China, not the United States, not the people producing ceiling fans, for God's sake, in the United States. You have to go after coal production in China. And that, I, I mean, I don't know about you, I have not seen in the readouts any really big mention of that. We also could not talk about health because then we'd have to admit that China makes all the pharmaceuticals that we That's consume right. in this country. And uh, that was... Uh, a dirty secret that was exposed during COVID when the uh, supply chain went down. Liz Peak, thank you That's so right. much for the excellent analysis, as always. I appreciate the conversation. Have a good holiday season. Thank you, and, and the same to you. Thank you for having me on. Liz Peak, foxnews.com and The Hill. Go to her website. Might as well get the clicks for the home team at lizpeak.com. And she joined us on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker Line. One more segment. Give us a chance to get your calls at 901-260-5926. Again, it's 901-260-5926. I'm Jeff Stein filling in for Todd. Thanks for being along on this edition of the Todd Starn Show. Liberty University studio on the Todd Starn Show. Jeff Stein filling in for Todd today. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Liz Peake. It came to us on the Patriot Mobile Newsmaker line. And once again, 
Give them a little time to put these interviews up on the website into the cloud of the ether of the interwebs at toddstarns.com. You can listen to the show, download, share with your friends the Toddcast podcast. It'll be posted a little later this afternoon. You know, I've never met Mike Lindell. I'm in Iowa. He's in Minnesota. We've never met. But if I ever do, I'm going to give him a hearty handshake, and I'll tell you why. He has given me great sleep through my pillow, and now, of course, my pillow 2.0. It is just an amazing, amazing invention. He didn't stop there, of course. Mike also created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look great, they feel great, and that means an even better night's sleep, which is really crucial for your overall health. And I am a customer. They don't pay me to say it, but I am proud to say I am a customer of the MyPillow products. Now, for these Giza Dream bed sheets, Mike found the world's best cotton, and it's called Giza. Ultra soft, breathable, but durable. So here's the sale of the year. For a limited time, you'll receive 50% off the Giza Dream sheets. That means prices are as low as $29.98, depending on the size. Yes, he said 50% off. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio podcast square, use the promo code STARNS, There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all of the great MyPillow products. MyPillow 2.0, mattress topper, the kitchen towel sets, and much more. Go on the phone line if you like, 800-839-8506. That's 800-839-8506. Or go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code STARNS. MyPillow.com, promo code STARNS. We just have a few moments, but it just came through on the newswire. The jury today convicted the man who broke into former U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's home in San Francisco. You may recall David DePape was seeking to hold her hostage and then attacked her husband with a hammer. He has been found guilty after eight hours of deliberation by that jury. Federal charges of attempted kidnapping and assault. So David DePape found guilty of attempted kidnapping of Nancy Pelosi and assault of Paul Pelosi, that from federal court in San Francisco today. One of the things that we are particularly going to watch, at least I'm going to particularly be watching in the next week or so, we'll get through the Thanksgiving holiday. So let's say uh, 10, 12, nearly two weeks. 10, 12 days, nearly two weeks. Will the members of Congress come back with any sort of renewed enthusiasm for taking care of business? It often happens after they're down for a break. And I know you all have many other things to do over the Thanksgiving holiday, including giving prayerful thanks for all the bounty we have in this world and how fortunate we are to live in the greatest nation God ever blessed, as I like to say. But I think if you see that your member of Congress or your senator is out doing a town meeting or at a public event, I'd encourage you to build that into your time. Go see them. Go talk to them face-to-face. Let them know how you feel about spending, Israel, etc. There's a myriad of topics. I guarantee you, you're going to feel better. Now, do this respectfully, obviously. But I am told over and over by these elected officials and their staffs across the country, your input makes a difference. So yes, make the phone call, send the email. If they have a text line, do that. But show up and have the conversation because you just never know who gets in their ear last. Maybe it'll be you. 
and maybe we can get some real change affected sooner than later while we still have a nation that we can preserve and save. Thanks so much to Grace for putting together such an awesome guest list as always. Dylan handling everything on the board and talking in my ear, John on the phones, everybody down at Team Todd in Memphis making the connection and making this such a great experience from the Liberty University studio. Todd, I don't know what you were doing on Instagram posing with Elvis. I know there's a story there. Hope you're back to tell it tomorrow. Jeff Stein, thanks so much for being along on this edition of the Todd Starn Show. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.